Welcome to Safety Bites, a weekly podcast on all things related to workplace safety, hosted by me, Jason Schaffenbuhl. The thoughts expressed in this podcast are based upon my opinion and general best practices, which may not apply to all listeners. Always consult with a qualified professional before making any changes in your organization. I appreciate you listening to the Safety Bites podcast series. If you haven't listened to podcasts 36 and 43 yet, I would encourage you to do so. The Safety Has No Easy Button series reviews the key elements of a successful safety and health program. Each element is critical for the success of your safety program, and while easy for me to discuss, they are challenging to implement in any workplace. In part one, I reviewed the importance of management leadership and employee involvement. In part two, I discussed hazard analysis and how an organization needs to take multiple approaches to identifying hazards in the workplace. If you've taken any specific actions regarding management leadership or hazard identification, I'd love to know how it went. The hazards identified during the hazard analysis process must be eliminated through a hazard prevention and control process. A key aspect of hazard control is to use the hierarchy of controls, which will be the focus of this week's podcast. When correcting a hazard, the most appropriate prevention, elimination, or control method must be determined by considering the type, severity, and risk posed by the hazard. In general, the hierarchy of control should be followed. In terms of workplace safety, the hierarchy of controls is a six-step approach whereby the first step is most successful in preventing injury and the last step is the least likely to prevent injury. In some situations, one step eliminates the hazard completely. In other situations, certain steps are not feasible or do not adequately control a hazard, so multiple steps are needed to achieve a suitable level of employee safety. So here are the steps in the hierarchy of controls for most the least effective in preventing injury. Step 1. Elimination or substitution. You should eliminate the hazard when possible. This may include simply eliminating an unsafe step by changing a work process. Substitution may involve substituting a less hazardous chemical for a highly hazardous chemical in a process. For this podcast, I'm going to use an example of an employee who climbs onto an elevated platform twice a day to lubricate a machine. The primary hazard is accessing the platform and the potential for falling. To get to the platform, the employee uses an extension ladder. Elimination of this hazard would simply be to move the equipment from the platform to the main floor so the hazard of falling from the ladder is eliminated. By eliminating the hazard, we do not need to rely upon other controls for employee safety. If the hazard is eliminated, we are done after this first step of the hierarchy. You can rarely eliminate or substitute out all hazards, so you must go on to other steps of the hierarchy. Step 2 is engineering controls. These controls eliminate exposure to a hazard by isolating the hazard in such a manner that an employee is not exposed to the hazard. In our platform example, one engineering control would be to install a lubrication system on the equipment that can be filled from the floor and the lubrication would automatically be pumped to where it is needed on the platform. In this example, the employee no longer needs to go onto the platform to perform the lubrication task. Step three is engineered protective safety devices. An example of this is a machine guard. While machine guards are a form of engineering control, most machine guards can be bypassed, removed, or otherwise defeated as a control. In the healthcare industry, self-capping or self-retracting needles are an example of an engineered protective safety device. While they prevent most needle stick injuries, they do not prevent all. Back to our platform example. Installing a set of stairs to the platform would be an engineered safety device. While stairs are significantly safer than ladders, an employee could still fall down the stairs. Step 4. Administrative controls are changes in practice that significantly limit daily exposure to hazards by controlling or manipulating the work schedule or work habits. Job rotation is an example of an administrative control. Administrative controls are typically only suitable for cumulative hazards, such as noise, certain chemicals, and some repetitive motion tasks. 
They are not ideal as employees are still exposed to the hazard, but just for less time, which, for cumulative hazards, may eliminate the potential for injury. With our platform example, we could have the employee perform the task once per day and ensure all lubrication is done at that time. Another administrative control would be to assign two or more employees to the task and have them take turns going onto the platform. Simply having the employee do the task less frequently exposes them to the same hazard, just less frequently, so the employee could still be catastrophically injured, just less frequently. By having more than one employee perform the task, the chances of one employee getting injured is reduced, but overall, the chance of any employee falling remains the same. So this is better than nothing, but the fourth level is not as effective as the first level of the hierarchy, the elimination of the platform. Step 5. Implement work practices. These controls include workplace rules, safe and healthful work practices, personal hygiene, housekeeping, maintenance, and procedures for specific operations. For our employee accessing the platform, we could train the employee on proper ladder climbing, keeping three points of contact, not having anything in their hands when climbing the ladder, and ensuring the ladder is properly set up. While all good practices, they only work if the employee follows them, and management must observe and enforce proper use of the practices. The practices, however, do not eliminate the potential for an employee to fall. They simply reduce the likelihood a fall would occur, and that's only if the practices are followed and nothing else occurs that could cause the employee to fall, such as losing his grip on the ladder. Step 6, the least effective control in the hierarchy of controls, is Personal Protective Equipment, or PPE. The decision to use PPE and the adoption of specific PPE must be directly related to the hazards identified in the hazard analysis. The use of PPE, in combination with other controls or alone, should only be used when all other hazard controls have been exhausted or proven infeasible. Safety glasses are a common example of PPE. While safety glasses can prevent some flying materials from getting into the eyes of employees, materials can still get around or behind glasses, and we are doing nothing to prevent the materials from flying towards the employee's eyes. By following the hierarchy of controls, you are taking a consistent approach to reduce safety hazards in the workplace. The key is to utilize the most protective step to eliminate or control the hazard. If you cannot eliminate the hazard, you may need to use a combination of multiple steps to achieve an adequate level of employee safety. In the next Safety Has No Easy Button podcast, I'll discuss the implementation of a hazard control program to eliminate hazards in the workplace. Until then, please take time to evaluate how your organization controls the safety hazards it faces. Do you utilize a hierarchy of controls to identify the best controls for the hazard? If not, implement a system that focuses corrective measures on the steps of the hierarchy of controls. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and will join me next week. Until then, please make time each day to create a safer workplace.